Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wikistrat podcast. I'm joined today by Dr. Bibu Rutre and Dr. Harsh Pont. Um, Dr. Rutre is the director of Mantraya.org. Previously, he served as the deputy director in India's National Security Council Secretariat in New Delhi. Uh, Dr. Parsh is, is a professor of international relations in the Defense Studies Department uh, in the India Institute at King's College, London. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here today and for sharing your time. And um, I want to dive right into it. And could each of you uh, give uh, us a quick overview of the, you know, the current iteration of the India-China conflict? What are the key factors that, that we need to understand? Bibu, can we start with you? Thank you. Well, uh, at the moment, we're looking at a very sort of precarious situation. Uh, uh, since August 2020, uh, almost 50,000 troops on India side and almost the same number of troops on the other side uh, facing one another with lots of arms and ammunition, weapon systems. So probably we are closest to a no war, no peace kind of a situation. Uh, well, India thinks, actually both think that the situation can be brought under control, but there are different sort of uh, <clears throat> objectives. China probably wants to convert uh, the kind of the LAC, the line of control, actual control, uh, which it occupies now into probably the actual LEC. Uh, India wants China to go back and restore uh, LSE as it was in April uh, uh, 2020. Uh, negotiations have failed. Uh, negotiations are still continuing, but uh, more than what's happening between these two countries, India is reaching out to its supporters, its allies, its friends, and hoping that the kind of pressure that can generate globally will sort of force China to go back. But that also looks like a remote possibility because over time, uh, China's position has become more and more, more belligerent. So that's that's the situation that India is staring at. Nobody knows how it's going to evolve and it will be a long haul. Mm-hmm. That's my take. Thank you, Bibu. Uh, Harsh, to you. Yeah, I think, um... Uh, you know a lot of um, what has been said um, uh, is actually uh, you know the reality on the ground uh, what we are looking at is an incredibly dynamic situation across the LEC and I think what has happened is that the line of actual control which is the uh, undemarcated border between India and China along you know along which um, there have always been contestation because it is undemarcated it is, it is undefined there are, there are different perceptions of LEC uh, so it was always, uh, you know, the, the dispute was always there. Uh, but uh, from the dispute which was being handled diplomatically, uh, the two countries are now in a situation where their uh, armies, uh, militaries are fa- facing off each other. And I think this is uh, for the first time in several decades that uh, shots are being fired. It used to be compared to the LOC line of control with Pakistan. Uh, the boundary with China used to be, uh, or it was claimed that it was extremely stable. It was indeed stable. Uh, um, you know, the, 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 there were no you know, major skirmishes. There was no use of uh, weaponry along the border uh, for the last several decades. That's, that that was you know, the result of a lot of confidence, built, confidence building measures that have been in place. 
but what we are seeing since April is um, uh, is uh, there are two aspects. One, China's encroachment on Indian what India claims to be in its territory, uh, and uh, the idea that um, you know China feels emboldened enough to uh, encroach upon Indian territory and then then demand that India come to the negotiating table. India has taken an equally hardline position, saying that now uh, not only um, uh, is the boundary issue at dispute, but also the larger dynamic of Sino-Indian relations under a scanner. Uh, the old paradigm of Sino-Indian relations, where the argument was that India and China can continue with their border negotiations, even as they keep on engaging with each other on trade, on culture, on people-to-people -people contacts, and other aspects of political relationship, that paradigm no longer operates today. India is making it very clear to the Chinese that uh, boundary issue, that this, this conflict uh, is going to be the central uh, issue around which the larger uh, Sino-Indian relationship would evolve. Uh, if it is not resolved uh, amicably, then there are going to be serious repercussions for Sino-Indian relationship. Uh, and uh, India has uh, therefore across uh, the board uh, used lots of uh, uh, levers that it possibly thinks it has, uh, including engaging with other like-minded countries, including uh, banning Chinese apps, including making a trying to wall off China from strategic sectors in, in Indian economy, in Indian infrastructure. And I think that's, a, that's an attempt to send a message to the Chinese that the situation is really serious. And uh, to be frank, situation is actually very serious across the LSE. Uh, so as I said, it is, it is, it is at, one point, at one level a question of Chinese uh, rise, Chinese power differential with India. On the other hand, it is also a reflection of greater confidence within India uh, that it can take on China. So in a sense, on the ground, India is not simply ceding ground. India is also gradually uh, trying to uh, maneuver militarily so that right now India occupies a number of strategic mountaintops in areas where Chinese have encroached upon Indian territory. Uh, so, the, so the situation along LSE remains very, very volatile because not only is China pushing from one side, but India is also responding in kind or at least not uh, willing to take it lying down. So I think that's the larger frame around which this, this conflict has evolved over the last few months since April, uh, with India demanding a restoration of status quo ante as it existed in April, and China is not willing to budge on the ground. Thank you, Harsh. And you mentioned that these tensions have spilled into other areas. Um, and into the economic sphere as well. Could you two give me your input on, you know, what what are the biggest areas where this conflict is spilled over to in terms of economic implications? So, what kind of economic implications does this conflict have in India and China and uh, the region? Um, and if so, sort of what sectors are the the most affected in this new competition? Uh, Bibu, do you want to take this one? Well, <clears throat> India started with uh, banning the Chinese apps. It also took a large number of steps to prevent the Chinese companies from taking over uh, stakes in the Indian companies. It's banned uh, uh, import of Chinese items. It's ensured that the e-commerce sites uh, sort of uh, report the country of origin. So if it's Chinese origin product, uh, almost 90% of the things that are being sold, whether it's computers and washing machines or uh, all stuff like plastic items, you name it, you have it, they come all from China. Now, uh, the e-commerce sites are now obligate, under obligation to sort of share the country of origin, and then uh, becomes uh, India's choice whether to allow them or not. Uh, 
and it also forces itself as a beneficiary of companies withdrawing from China uh, due to the COVID pandemic and uh, relocating. So in the hopes that it can also become an attractive destination for those kind of companies. Uh, so on a larger scale, India is trying to, as such uh, pointed out, uh, is uh, building pressure on China from multiple uh, sides and hoping that uh, you can't hurt China militarily. Probably there is no parity between the two sides. There can be debate on that. Till the war is fought, you never know who's stronger, who's weaker. But uh, India is always in a position to sort of hurt Chinese economy. And that shows, that shows in Beijing's uh, reactions to the Indian moves on uh, banning of the apps or the moves that, uh, that directed mostly at the Chinese companies. Uh, so, so India is basically taking it into a larger frame uh, to ensure that it's just not a military fight uh, alone. It can be from other fronts to press right China to sort of concede to India's demands. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And Harsh, do you agree with this? Uh, yeah, you see, I think, you know, the larger issue here is how um, India will navigate its relationship with China at a time when uh, the border conflict, as I pointed out earlier, uh, increasingly is going to be the central pivot around which this relationship is, is possibly going to evolve. And that's a message that India is sending out, that India is willing to bear some costs for it. That, you know, the, that uh, and the whole idea that you can continue to trade with China, that you can continue to engage China on technology, technology issues. For example, till last year, but, uh, you know, we had the situation where Chinese companies were allowed uh, to take part in the, um, uh, in the, the 5G trial, trials in India. Um, that was, uh, that was the indication that India gave. Now, today, I think the situation is completely changed. And now the, the idea there is that uh, there is a larger uh, re-evaluation of India's China policy that is going on. And all the fronts that are available to India, India would like to use them. India would like to use all the leverage that it has. Economy is certainly one area where it feels that it has some leverage. It may not have you know, a lot of leverage, but certainly some leverage if you, know, if you are uh, one of the biggest markets in the world at a time when markets in, in the West are collapsing then certainly India can leverage that to, to, to its advantage. Now, that's that's what it's trying to do. That's the signal it's sending. And that, look, uh, you know, if you don't, uh, if you keep on pushing uh, the uh, border issue unilaterally, uh, then it will have repercussions uh, on the wider relationship. It will have repercussions on economic ties. Uh, and it, India will become more hardline in its approach uh, on economic questions. The old paradigm that you can continue to, uh, you know, trade with China, you, you know, China was still very recently India's largest trading partner. You know, those sorts of things, I think, have been subsumed by the larger reality on the ground, operational reality on the ground. So, so there is a lot of disenchantment with China that is, you know, that is that is now visible, uh, that is visible at multiple levels, that is visible certainly at the level, you know, in the street level where people feel uh, very anxious about the border situation. It is also very palpable at the strategic policy making level where uh, policymakers are trying to see what leverage they have and economy certainly becomes one of those uh, areas where uh, they can do something or at least visibly do something about it 
whether it will have an impact on Chinese thinking that remains to be seen I and mean, there is no evidence that uh, what what India has done over the last few months has had an impact on Chinese thinking or that they are in any way uh, you know uh, buckling under some pressure that look India you know India is doing this let's give in given to some of India's demands in fact their their position seems to be becoming even more uh, hardened so you know so I think it's a it's a it's a it's a typical uh, negotiation happening between two powers through the use of whatever instrumentalities are available to them uh, so on the one hand you are trying to operationalize it on on the ground with with uh, with defense forces uh, trying to maneuver around each other on the other hand you are trying to show to the chinese that look you have economic uh, areas where where india can uh, emerge, where india can try to put some pressure there are there is going to be technology dimension increasingly india is trying to work with or at least this show is, is, is underscoring its resolve to work with like-minded countries um, when it comes to 5G technology and other cutting-edge strategic emerging technologies. There is also the dimension of um, how do you look at global supply chains, supply chain resilience uh, project with uh, Japan and Australia that India is initiating is part of that attempt. So clearly at, at a broader level, India is trying to make a case to the Chinese that India is not alone at a time when other countries are also doing the same thing. Other countries are also trying to reevaluate their economic ties with India. And I think that's where India is trying to position itself uh, as, a, as a country that perhaps can also leverage that wider, um, wider global climate against China to its advantage. Thank you. I'm curious, what sort of, what sort of predictions do you, do you all have for, for, for the immediate future? Um, and for the long term in the relationship between between India and China and, and the regional security, if you could identify, uh, you know, what you think is either the, the biggest factor or one significant player that people are not currently aware of um, that we should going forward. Bibi, do you want to take this one? So let's try, let me un, try to answer this uh, slightly differently. Now, say, if you uh, perceive India's foreign policy towards China, uh, India is certainly at some kind of a uh, weaker ground in the sense that uh, things has come up at a time uh, which couldn't have been worse for India. India is reeling under this COVID-19 pandemic. State of economy is not that fine. This domestic peace and stability front is not doing fine. Its neighborhood policy is in shambles. And it's also not being able to generate the kind of support it thought it would against China, if it thought that it can sort of get firm commitments from nations around the world that they would stand in favor of India, that hasn't really happened. Countries have been very subtle in their responses. They have been sort of talking about diplomatic assurances, talking about both countries India and China using their diplomatic levels to negotiate and resolve it peacefully. Uh, countries have sold weapon systems, arms and ammunition to India, but that doesn't really count as support to India vis-a-vis -vis China. What India is trying to leverage most on this thing is its growing alliance or growing partnership with the United States. As they say, United States is, I think, primarily to do with President Trump. India hopes, in spite of Mr. Uh, President Trump's unpredictability, uh, sometimes he praises China and India, he sometimes he accuses 
India for a lot of other things. If Trump, my reading is if Trump loses the election, India loses a lot of leverage vis-a-vis China. India hopes that if it's on a weaker ground now because of all these factors, many of these factors also are applicable to China, which will keep China under check. What I mean by that is if the COVID-19 pandemic is holding India sort of back, it's also holding China back to an extent. China is under enormous pressure from a lot of other countries. So India hopes that sort of these things will sort of produce a stalemate, if not a resolution to the conflict. So that's my uh, take in the coming months. It's at least we're looking at winter and both armies are prepared to stay put at the border, uh, whether the storms and the winter uh, at enormous cost. So beyond the winter, probably things will evolve by the time the uh, US president's election will be over. Probably we'll have a, a Trump in, back in the seat or we'll have a new uh, uh, president. If that happens, if Trump goes, India loses a lot of leverage. Uh, and that will be, to my reading, will be to China's advantage. Thank you. That's a, that's a really interesting point. Uh, Harsh, what, what parting insight can you give on, on a factor or player that we need to be aware of? The relationship between China and India is structurally a competitive one. So I don't think that inherent competition um, will change or that competitive rivalry will change. That It will remain a relationship that will remain very, very contested. Uh, and as um, um, India has also risen, India has also become more assertive in um, in, in shaping its foreign policy and articulating its worldview, uh, it's very natural that you will have that contestation getting sharpened. You know, so long as China was the big country, China was the big party, and India was relatively meek, India was relatively, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, India was not responding to that challenge, it was fine. You know, China could shape that narrative. I think India today uh, is uh, thinks it's in a position that it can articulate a worldview which is more assertive, more uh, more in sync with what it feels to be its 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 global uh, priorities. So I think that that means that uh, you will have a very very um, um, you you will have a relationship with China that is going to get increasingly contested, uh, even as uh, even with all the problems that COVID nineteen uh, is bringing to the fore. Uh, now COVID nineteen um, has had uh, poses enormous challenges to India. It also poses enormous challenges to China, and in some ways, the last few months have been extremely damaging for China's global profile. So I think um, what one should not underestimate is that how uh, you almost see a rallying uh, around the world uh, against China, and the kind of uh, you know the, the the changing discourse in the West, the changing discourse in the Indo-Pacific by major powers, countries like Australia, Japan. Uh, and some in the Southeast Asian landscape, uh, that uh, you know that is in sync with the larger reality that India is not alone in this in this in this larger struggle with China. So so I think what uh, you know uh, uh, what one needs to look at or calculate or, or you know think about is possibly uh, that the relationship between China and India, two of the major Asian powers, uh, will become very contested and it will shape the larger Indo-Pacific. Um, landscape uh, in very, very significantly. And I think countries will now have to decide how 
the, the global and regional balance of power emerges. We are already seeing discussions about the future of multilateralism, the future of uh, technology evolution when, when, United, uh, uh, when United States says that countries like India should be invited to G7, when uh, United Kingdom calls for a coalition of democracies to develop 5G. The indications are very clear that the world is trying to figure out a response to China's rise and to China's aggression. How that shapes up, how that maps up, maps itself out, again, it's still not clear at this point. But I think the challenge, the threat, uh, the, um, you know, there is a certain clarity about it. And I think there is a certain clarity in the Indian context as well, that I don't think going forward, uh, India will retain the sort of, um, uh, you know, they, they were often, uh, India had refrained from making certain choices in the last few years. India refrained from making certain choices because it thought that by not making those choices, India might be assuaging Chinese concerns and that might make China more amenable um, to India's um, concerns when that has not happened. Uh, so what, what this um, uh, border crisis has done is, is that it, it has clarified Indian responses in some ways. I think going forward, you would see greater coordination with like-minded countries, like, for example, we are talking of uh, making the Quad becoming more effective, this quadrilateral relationship between Japan, US, India, and Australia. We are going to look at uh, greater hard power coordination, greater military exercises between major powers in the region, like-minded countries in the region. And I think that's the trajectory that India would like to pursue. That gone, uh, I think, given the challenge that it faces from China today, uh, and given the you know the the, the border crisis. Uh, that, that clarity in Indian response perhaps is something that we need to look at. Even before COVID-19, even before this crisis, uh, you know, those who look at Indian foreign policy could make it out that, you know, that India was pursuing a certain trajectory vis-a-vis uh, -vis China with certain caution because of the capability differential. But certainly the trajectory was very clear that India was trying to balance China. Uh, and India has always tried to balance China given the limitations. I think going forward, it would be more overt balancing. And that is something that I think not only um, India should be prepared for, but I think at the, at the, at the very least you will have, uh, the region should be prepared for because that would have consequences for the way regional security architectures develop, the regional security doctrines evolve, and uh, the countries who, 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 will, who might find themselves in the middle of this contestation might also um, you know, have, to take, have to make certain choices. So I think in that sense, uh, India's response is forcing a certain clarity not only in India's own about India's own role in the Indo-Pacific discourse, Indo-Pacific calculus, but also forcing other countries to make those choices very clear. And I think that is quite visible now from from the West. That is quite visible now from countries like Australia and Japan. And it would be interesting to see how the larger landscape of ASEAN countries, for example, uh, treats this question going forward, given their own challenge with China. But certainly what India is trying to do is to, is to help or is to try to get to a position where it can offer an alternative to, uh, to regional states, to smaller states, at the same time fight its own battles with, uh, with China. I think that, uh, uh, you know, that India will have to fight itself out or India will have to fight its own battles, its, its own conflict with China uh, is something that uh, India will have to contend with because I don't think we live in a world where um, countries are going to take overtly over positions against China. Uh, countries, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, to, to bilateral border issues, uh, India has also not taken uh, such positions vis-a-vis -vis other countries. So I think what, uh, you know, what we are looking at is a landscape where India's, India, will, India will certainly try to um, you know, um, 
make its policy positions uh, and its operational positions clearer vis-a-vis -vis China. At the same time, trying to leverage uh, those countries, those um, organizations, uh, those geographies, where perhaps there is an there is an opportunity for India to leverage a growing discontent vis-a-vis -vis China. I think that's that perhaps is going to be the trajectory of Indian foreign policy and perhaps also the regional security architecture. Well, Harsh Bibu, I want to thank you so much for your insights and your time. Um, I and I know the viewers really appreciate it. Um, so thank you very much.